In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is we live in a very reductionist society. Most people, most of the time, just want to know exactly what they need to know, and that's it. No more. Just give me the facts. Tell me what I need to know so I can get out of here. For the older generation, there was something called Cliff's Notes, right? For those who didn't want to study in school, they'd read the Cliff's Notes version, right? Or the Reader's Digest version of something, right? And they would get the essence of it. Um, and, and the current generation, it's the soundbite culture. And, and things are being reduced even beyond soundbites to, um, to, to tweets and to memes and to whatever else. Like, if you can't get it instantly, then you aren't going to get it at all. There's a tendency, a tendency amongst um, many preachers, both in the Orthodox Church and outside, to reduce salvation to one or two things, to make it palatable to people. All you have to do is say a magic prayer and then you're saved. Bada bing, bada boom, you know, have a nice life. But one of the beauties of Orthodoxy is that it's actually not reductionist. It's actually maximalist. Right? There are many things that are needed for our salvation. And we don't say we need this thing for salvation to the exclusion of these other things. We live in a we, we practice a both and faith. And really it's a all of the above faith. So what am I getting to? Well, there are many things that we need for salvation. We need God to save us. Check. He's done the work that He needs to do. We need to tap into His salvation. Right? That's baptism, chrismation. That's the basic practicing of the faith. If you're sitting here, you're already checking that box, so to speak. But we need faith, we need love, we need humility, we need prayer, we need repentance, we need good works. We need all of these things. We need fellowship and community. We need all of these things. But it's nearly impossible for us to take in the lesson of all of these things all at once and then start practicing them or implementing them or working on this or that. So what the church does in her wisdom is gives us little bites little things to work on, piece by piece, week by week. And then, the beauty of it is that the cycle repeats every year, so we hear the same things every year, sometimes multiple times a year. In today's Gospel reading, in today's Gospel reading, there are two virtues that jump out, and we don't really need to go too far in depth because they're so obvious. A centurion... A Roman centurion, a non-Jew, a pagan, comes to Jesus and asks for healing for a servant. Jesus says he will go and heal him. And the centurion says, hold on, like, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. So what's that virtue? Humility. 
Tremendous humility. And the other virtue that we see is tremendous faith. The centurion says, I'm a man of authority. I have a hundred people under me and I'm a man subject to authority. He reports to someone else and ultimately to Caesar. He understands what hierarchy is. He understands what power is. This is an upper class individual. He's living the American dream. He's worked his way to the top of the corporate ladder. And he's got power and money and can get anything he wants. And he says, do this, and someone does it. He says, do that, they do it. He recognizes in his humility Jesus' divinity. He recognizes one greater than himself. He recognizes one greater than the gods that he has surely sacrificed to. And he says, I know you, Lord, can heal by speaking a word. There's a connection here between Christ and creation, right? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Boom, there was. Right? This man is associating Christ as the creator of the world, as having that kind of power. He speaks and it happens. He can speak, Christ can speak, and the illness is gone. That's tremendous faith. Tremendous faith. And he comes of his own accord. In Luke's gospel, he sends messengers these are compatible. They aren't different stories. It makes sense, the saints explain, that he would send messengers and then come himself. But he comes to the Lord and he says, I know you have authority. I know you have the power. Just speak the word because I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Who is this man talking to? This man is a Roman soldier. The Romans are occupying Judea. They are the conquerors. This is a upper management soldier of the conquering people. And he's telling a homeless, Jewish, wandering peasant, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Context. That's tremendous humility. Tremendous humility. When was the last time you heard an American aristocrat say, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house? Right? When was the last time the Kennedys said that? No, no, no. Really, I'm not worthy that you should come to Martha's Vineyard. Like, really? Has that ever been said? Probably not. This man shows tremendous humility and immense faith. And so these are the virtues that the church puts before us today. It's okay to call a spade a spade. This man says, I have people under me. I'm a man of authority. I'm kind of a big deal here. That's what he says. But he's actually not boasting. He's just speaking reality. But he also acknowledges the reality that there is a God and it's not him. And there is a problem he can't solve, so he needs to ask for help. And he acknowledges the reality that 
Christ is so much greater than anything else in the world, he's willing to risk his reputation, he's willing to risk his position, and he's willing to give his time and energy because he loves his servant. He loves his brother, let's say. And he's willing to put himself on the line for that. In return, Christ, what Christ says is interesting. He says, I will come and heal him. In Matthew chapter 4, right before this passage, Christ heals a leper. A leper says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He has imperfect faith. And Christ says, I am willing, he touches him, and the man is clean. Notice that Jesus does not become unclean. According to Jewish law, if you touch a leper, you're unclean. According to Jewish law, if you go to the house of a pagan, you are unclean. Jesus does not become unclean. He cleans up everything that he touches. Right? Think about that. Think about that. I want to, like, push pause there. I want to go off on a short tangent here. Sometimes I hear people say, I am not worthy to receive Holy Communion because I will defile the Lord's body and blood. Well, the church doesn't ask us to be perfect. The church asks us to be prepared and to be faithful, to be faithful, to do what we can to prepare to receive the Lord's body and blood. Think about this. The Lord touches a leper. The Lord remains clean. The Lord's willing to go to a pagan house. The Lord remains clean. The Lord is willing to give you His body and blood. You see what I'm saying? We are called to be faithful and to faithfully prepare to receive communion. We aren't called to be perfect. So what does preparation mean? Prayer, fasting, confession. Right? If you have questions about that, you can ask me later. But I think there's a correlation here. What the Lord's body touches, He makes pure and clean. And so, what I find interesting is that Christ says, I will come to your house. And this man says, I'm not worthy of that. And he means it with all sincerity. He's not putting on airs. He's not bluffing. Oh, no, 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 really. I couldn't impose on you. No, really. He means it. I'm not worthy. I know who you are. It's interesting that it's the non-Jews, the non-religious people who recognize Christ before those who are the sons of the kingdom, as Christ mentions in this gospel. This man's humility is so tremendous that he's quoted twice, twice, by St. John Chrysostom in two different prayers before communion. St. John Chrysostom, if you read through the prayers before communion in an Antiochian prayer book, it's prayers 3 and 4. St. John Chrysostom says, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under the roof of the house of my soul. And in another prayer, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under the house of my soul, or under the roof of my soul. It's 
Not the exact same wording, but it's both a reference to what this man says. And even in the Western Rite liturgies, even in the Roman Catholic liturgy, right before people receive communion, they say a prayer aloud as a congregation. I don't know the exact words, but one of the lines is, but merely say the word and I shall be healed. So, we don't know the name of this centurion. And we don't know the rest of his story. But his humility, his legacy of humility lives on. So this is something really important for us, especially as Americans, especially as we are outward-facing people. We always want validation from other people. We want other people to see how awesome we are, both individually and corporately, and especially as a country, because Americans think that we're the best at everything and everybody should be like us. It's, in, it's ingrained in our American culture. <clears throat> but... This gospel is telling us humility is actually the legacy that we should strive for. And this great faith in Christ is what we should strive for. We should have faith that God can heal us, that God can help us overcome our passions. We should also have faith that if He chooses not to heal us, He will give us the strength to endure what we have to go through either in terms of a malady or in terms of the spiritual battle. We have to have faith that God will not abandon us. And we have to have the humility to recognize that we're sick and that He is the one that can heal us. St. Nikolai of Zicha, he says, if a man is not filled with profound humility, meekness, submission, and obedience to God, how can he be saved? Water does not collect on high mountain bluffs, but in low-level, deep places. Neither does God's blessing abide in the proud, who puff themselves up in opposition to God, but in the humble and meek, who have deepened their hearts by humility and meekness, submit submissiveness before God's majesty, and obedience to His will. Water doesn't collect on a high mountaintop. It collects in a low, deep place. The grace of God does not collect on a proud, puffed-up heart. It collects in the heart that is deep and humble. So, brothers and sisters, as we go out this week, let us remember the humility and the faith of this centurion. Let us turn to the Lord for our healing. Let us believe with all of our heart that Christ is the physician of soul and body. And let us humble ourselves before Him sincerely, genuinely, authentically, remembering that we are unworthy of any gift that God gives us. And yet He tells us to ask Him anyway. He tells us to draw near anyway with fear and faith and love. And as we humble ourselves before the Lord, let us ask for the prayers of all the saints who, with tremendous humility and great faith, 
have gone before us to their rest, and where they now sing the thrice holy hymn to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be.